purpose of the First Christian Church of Griffith, Indiana is to love God, love others, spread the gospel. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see. Troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. There we go. I love that song. I, I love that theme song. I love that music. Sometimes you want to go. I mean, it just takes you back, doesn't it? I mean, you're back in the 1980s. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. Could you imagine such a place? Wouldn't it be great if such a place existed? I mean, where uh, it, it'd be great to just to walk in. And like, you know, every week Norm did, you know, he'd walk in and, and he'd say, evening everybody, and everybody went. All right, I want to try this. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk in through the door, and I'm going to say, morning everybody, I just want you to shout Sean. I just want to see how this feels once, all right? Just... Morning everybody. Sean. Oh, man, that is some good stuff right there. That is awesome. I tell you what. Bob, <laughs> I have a dream, my friends. I have a dream. I want the first Christian church to be that kind of a place, uh, a place where uh, everybody knows your name, a place where people know that people are all the same. I've said, I've said this before, and this is, I, it may sound controversial, but uh, I wish the church were more like cheers and less like a church. Because too often in the church, we have the, the backstabbing and the gossiping and the, the anger and the, um, uh, the bitterness. And, and, and that's what churches tend to be marked by, is, is just everything that they shouldn't be marked by. And, uh, you know, in, in, in my college days, when I would spend uh, the occasional evening at an establishment uh, and sit down next to somebody, I could strike up a conversation with anybody. And, and they would listen to me, and they would accept me, and they would, you know, they, they didn't try and solve all my problems. They didn't run down to the, uh, to the next person and start, you know, talking about, you should hear what this guy's going through. It wasn't like that. And, and it was just welcoming and accepting. And to me, you know, the church should be like a bar without the alcohol, that we should be welcoming and accepting and loving and 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 warm and friendly and when you walk in everybody should know your name and they should know people are all the same uh, you want to go where everybody knows your name George Barna once wrote that people 
aren't just looking for a friendly church. They're looking for a friend. What they're looking for is true fellowship. True fellowship. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to continue in our sermon series on becoming an Acts 2 church. Um, We talked last week about how the early disciples uh, were devoted to four practices uh, that are found in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And I just want to go over that real quick. Acts 2.42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And... um, We're going to talk about, last week we talked about how they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. We talked about being devoted to Scripture and the supremacy of Scripture, the authority of Scripture. These are the things we talked about and how important it is that as a church we devote ourselves to Scripture. Um, This week we're going to uh, talk about um, devoting ourselves to each other. Um, But but I, I just want to hit on last week just for a moment at how important scripture is, that we stand firm on the foundation of God's word as a church. Um, we, are, we are a church that firmly believes that God's word is the Bible, that the Bible is God's word. It is not merely the words of men so that we can pick and choose what we want to believe, so that we can pick and choose what we want to follow. Um, all scripture is God-breathed and useful and authoritative. Now, that wasn't, like I said, that wasn't the only practice that the early church was devoted to. Uh, Luke says that they were devoted to the fellowship as well, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I believe that, generally speaking, the American church has a misconception about what true fellowship really is. So we're going to examine it this morning. We're going to talk about the fellowship. Um, We're going to talk about some practical ways that we can be devoted to one another. And we're going to end today with a real practical application that is going to require you to do something that may stretch you a little bit, may pull you out of your comfort zone a little bit, you are going to have to talk to somebody here, today, for a few moments. You're going to have to talk to someone. First, we're going to look at a couple of case studies from the book of Acts, and then we'll talk about how we can be devoted to one another. Our first case study is from this very same passage, Acts 2.45. The Bible says that the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold their possessions and goods and gave to anyone who had a need. Now there's a specific example of this in Acts 4.36-37. Now listen to this. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, uh, I want to look at another instance um, in the book of Acts where this kind of thing takes place, this true fellowship. Acts chapter 12. If you've got a Bible, you want to turn to Acts 12 real quick. It's about Peter's miraculous escape from prison. Peter was in prison. Obviously, if it's about Peter's miraculous escape from prison. Peter was in prison, and uh, King Herod was persecuting the church. Uh, The night before Peter was to go to trial, an angel came to Peter and broke him out of jail. And uh, Peter went to Mark's mother's house, and uh, this is what's going on there. Uh, Verse 12 says, uh, uh, when this had dawned on him, uh, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered 
and were praying. That's what was going on there. They were together and they were praying. Um, I love what happens next. This isn't in my sermon, but I just love what this happens. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. Poor guy. He's been in prison. He goes to the door. Look, it's Peter. Uh, uh, could, could, could you open the door, please? Um, I'm on trial for my life. Um, people trying to find me. Um, Acts 1.14 says this about the first believers in Jerusalem. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with the brothers. So that we see that the early church was concerned uh, about one another enough to sell goods and possessions and to meet the needs of each other. And we see that they got together to pray a lot. They were together. They were doing all these things together. Uh, they also got together to worship. Acts chapter 20 verse 7 says, On the first day of the week we came together to break bread. It refers to the sharing of the Lord's Supper. This was something that the early church did often, and they did it together. In fact, the word together occurs over 20 times in the book of Acts. 24 times. 13 of those instances have to do with Christians coming together. So over half the instances of the word together in the book of Acts have to do with Christians getting together. They prayed together. They worshiped together. They shared with each other. Do you know what this tells me about the church? There can be no Lone Ranger Christians. There can be no Lone Ranger Christians. We need community. We need each other. I've heard, I've heard people say it before. Maybe you have too. Somebody says, well, you know, I, I'm a Christian. I, I just don't go to church. Or I can be a Christian without going to church. I can be a Christian without being part of a church. I can be a Christian without being part of a, a church family. You know what? I, I don't think that's true. And I'm sorry if, if, if you know somebody or, or if you are somebody who, who believes that, but I, I don't think it's true. The image I see of Christians in the Bible is that they rely on one another. They depend on one another. Um, there is a need for fellowship and community. We need each other. I need you. You need me. We got to work together. It's all about being together. God has created us in such a way that we, we, we crave community. We crave relationships. We crave fellowship, true fellowship. And we need it. I, I can't be out there on my own. You know, riding the range like the Lone Ranger. A pastor once saw Robert Shuler's TV program, The Hour of Power. One of the things that impressed him the most during the program was watching everyone turning around and shaking hands with one another, kind of like what we do here. And, and uh, they would greet the other worshipers seated near them. The pastor felt that his church was a bit stuffy and could use a little bit of this friendliness. So at Sunday morning worship, he announced that next week they would initiate this custom of greeting one another. At the close of the same service, one man turned around to the lady behind him and said a cheerful, good morning. She looked back at him with shock at his boldness and said, I beg your pardon. That friendliness business doesn't start until next week. Now, I got three thoughts that I want to share about uh, what the Bible says about the early church and uh, what it says about fellowship. The first thought is that true fellowship is God's idea. True fellowship is God's idea. We must remember what the scripture says about God. He is in constant fellowship with himself. 
The doctrine of the Trinity is difficult to understand, but even with our limited understanding, we can see that God is a fellowship of three persons. There is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, and they coexist with one another in the Godhead. Now, I beg of you, please don't come up to me after today's service and say, Sean, could you please quickly explain the Trinity and how it works? Um, scholars have tried, have, have worked at it for thousands of years to try and explain the Trinity, and yet even after thousands of years, we do not have anything better than an egg. Uh, the, the, the egg concept, that an egg is three parts, shell, yolk, and white, uh, and they all make up one egg. If you've never heard this before, this is kind of you know, a very rudimentary, simple understanding of the Trinity. God is three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And God, an egg is three parts, uh, shell, uh, yolk, and, and white. And I'll stop now, okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, there, that is a question that you can ask God when you see him face to face. Father God, could you please explain the Trinity? And he will you know, download it to your mind and everything will work. But what I am saying is that God exists in continuous and intimate fellowship. Fellowship is his idea. And since we are created in the image of God, we have a need for fellowship as well. We belong to one another. We belong together. We need each other. This is a theme that is going to run throughout the rest of this sermon. We need each other. Now that brings me to my second thought. My second thought is this. True fellowship is family more than friendliness. Shaking hands is nice. You know, I I love it. Uh, we, you know, for a couple minutes here on Sunday morning, we dismiss, we release everybody to walk around the room and shake hands with one another and greet one another, and that's that's great, and it feels good, and everybody feels good about it. But that cannot be the end of our fellowship. That cannot be the extent of our fellowship. True fellowship is more than a potluck every once in a while. Now let me brag on some people for just a minute. Uh, we have some. Wonderful people who run our fellowship ministry, uh, and uh, they do an outstanding job. They do. They do a great job. They do a great job of getting people together uh, to uh, fellowship with one another and to share uh, with one another, and that's great. But, um, you know, it, there's got to be more to it than that. We need to take the initiative and, and, and be more uh, about fellowship uh, than just the, the occasional potluck. Um, true fellowship is more than just greeting someone when they come in the door. At least true Christian fellowship is more than these things. When I was at Indiana State University, I was real active in the uh, Christian campus house, the Scamps House. Have you all heard of the Scamps House before? The Scamps House is the Christian campus uh, ministry at Indiana State University run by a dear friend of mine, Mark Gallagher, who's just... Um, going to have his head is not big enough for the crown that he is going to have in heaven because he's just an awesome guy uh, one semester there was a new fraternity starting up on campus uh, and I was invited to join and I decided to pledge and that lasted about a month see the fraternity was supposed to be different than all the others it was going to be a different it was going to be more service oriented and was going to be all about parties well after about two weeks and six parties uh, I realized that this was all going to be the same and I remember wrestling with whether or not I should de-pledge uh, and I should quit. And the answer dawned at me at one of our meetings. I kept hearing the guys call each other brother. Over and over and over again, it was, you know, my brother, my brother, my brother, my brother. And uh, I, I thought to myself, why, why are these guys my brothers? Uh, we're only united because we share these Greek letters. 
Now, I understand that fraternities are an important part of the college experience, and they do a lot of good social services. I'm not trying to put down the Greek system at colleges and universities, but what I'm saying is that, for me, I needed something more than these letters to unite me in brotherhood. My real brothers, Matthew and Patrick Cornett, uh, mean the world to me. Uh, this week, I'll, I'll brag on my brothers and myself for a minute, we took my mommy out to lunch for her birthday, because we're so wonderful. Now, I'm big on family. I am big on family, and if someone is going to call themselves my brother, there had better be a real connection there. So I started thinking about my friends at the Scamps house, at the Christian Campus house, uh, and I had been ignoring them while I was pursuing the fraternity life. And I thought about what made us brothers and sisters. It was the blood of Christ. Um, There was something, uh, that was something that was so real to me. It was something that was so important to me that the blood of Jesus made me brothers and, and made me a brother and a, and, a, and a brother to my brothers and sisters. It didn't make me a sister, but it made me a, a brother to my brothers and sisters. And that's when I made up my mind that I was going to de-pledge de- from the fraternity. See, true fellowship is family more than friendliness. We are family. The blood of Jesus has brought us together. The blood of Jesus has made us brothers and sisters in Christ uh, The Bible says that we have been adopted into God's family because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You remember the song from the 70s? We are family. It's going through your head now, isn't it? It's going to go through your head the rest of the day. This afternoon, you're going to be sitting there having dinner, and all of a sudden, out of of nowhere, Sister Sledge is going to pop in your head, and you're going to be, we are family. But we are. We are not merely a collection of individuals. We are brothers and sisters from the oldest to the youngest, from the newest to the most familiar. We are the family of God. And that is a wonderful thing. That is awesome. We are family. God has adopted us into his family. He has made us brothers and sisters. We are a part of something very special. And it is more than just being friendly with one another. You know, the next time you look around... You know, look around the room right now. You are surrounded by your brothers and sisters. Yeah, every Sunday, it's like a great big family reunion. We get together, you know, and sometimes we have sibling rivalry, I understand. Sometimes, you know, we can uh, say things that we don't mean, and, and, and sometimes we can do things that we don't really want to do. But the fact is, we are family. we got to love each other. we got to bear with one another. We're going to talk about this in just a second, what, the one another passages in Scripture. But... The thing is, is that as family, we got to get used to one another. Because we're going to be around each other for an awfully long time. And uh, we're going to be around each other for eternity. The people that you are sitting with in this room, you're going to spend forever with. Some of you are thinking, oh man, oh man. That's a long time. I'm hoping heaven's a big place. Okay, you go stay on that cloud, I'll go be on this cloud. (laughs) No, we are together. We are in this thing together, both here and now and forevermore. Well, that brings me to my third thought concerning true fellowship. True fellowship means investing your life in someone else. It means really getting to know one another. It means getting to really care about one another, to really care about each other, to have concern for one another. That's what the early church did. Did you hear what the Bible said? What we talked about earlier about Barnabas? When someone had a need, someone sold their possessions and goods in order to provide for their need. 
That's how much they cared about one another. They heard about a need and thought, you know what, I got this land. That's what Barnabas said, you know, I, somebody needs it, and, and I got this land. I'm just going to sell it, and he, he brings some money, and he puts it at the apostles' feet. He didn't say, okay, apostles, um, I'm going to sell this land, I'm going to give you the money, and you're going to do with it what I tell you to do with it. He didn't say, I'm going to sell this land, I'm going to put it at the apostles' feet, and, uh, um, you know, if they don't use it the way that I like it, oh, I'm never going to do that again. He just laid it at their feet and said, you know, where, wherever this can help, use it. Uh, they loved one another. They invested their lives in one another. They knew about the needs that they had. And when someone was in financial straits, when someone had a difficulty, they knew it because they shared their lives. They fellowshiped. They had real fellowship. Now, I'm, I'm not calling for anyone this morning to, to sell anything and donate the proceeds, but what I am calling for what I'm calling for everyone in this room to do, and those who are hearing my voice uh, somewhere outside of this room, uh, maybe on the internet, uh, our sermons are on the internet now, by the way. You can go to www.gfcc.net, click on Media Center, and you can hear uh, sermons from like the last seven or eight weeks or so. It's really cool. Anyway, um, when someone was in financial trouble, they bailed each other out. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm Again, I just think that we really need to care about one another. We really need to care for each other. Care enough about the other people in this room to know whether they're here or not. Care enough about your brothers and sisters in Christ uh, to pull them aside and ask them, how are you doing? How are you really, really doing? If you see somebody in this room on a Sunday morning, I'm, I'm going to give you total permission. You see somebody in this room struggling. You see someone in this room crying. You see someone in this room having a, a bad day. Pull them aside, take them out to the foyer and say, what's going on? How can I help? What can I do? Just, if, if I can do nothing more than just listen, I'll listen. You know, there's like nobody out in the foyer for the most part during this service. And, you know, if, if someone needs to talk, let them talk. Care. Really, really care. Care enough about the people who make up First Christian Church that you know what prayer requests they have. And then pray for them. What did Jesus say would be the sign to all people that we are his disciples? By the way, we love one another. That we love one another. That we really, really love one another. I mean, how different would that be? A community of people who actually care and love one another. Everywhere we go, people are tearing each other down. You know, ripping each other. You know, and it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. It's election season coming up. And all we're going to hear is people rip each other and tear each other apart. Imagine a, a group of people who got the reputation that all they did was care about one another. Imagine a group of people who had the reputation that all they did was love each other. They accepted one another. They welcomed one another. They really love one another. You know, there's a whole list of one another's in the New Testament. Here's a sampling. John 13, 34 through 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Romans 12, 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony with one another. Romans 15, 7, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. When we accept each other, it brings praise to God. 
1 Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Galatians 5.13, serve one another in love. Ephesians 4.2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Sometimes that's what we got to do. Sometimes we got to bear with one another. Jonathan, I asked Jonathan, what does a bear say? He says, rawr. Sometimes we got to rawr with one another. We got to bear with one another. That's how we feel about one another is rawr. We got to bear with one another in love. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Ephesians 5.19, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's 10 things. That's your top 10 list. The top 10 one another's that we need to follow. These are the things that we need to do when it comes to being with one another. Do you get the idea? Do you understand what I'm what I'm, te- what I'm talking about? Do you understand what I'm striving for? What I'm driving at? You can only do these things by investing your life in someone else. But how do we do this? It means making the first move. It means introducing yourself to someone you don't know. Anybody here know everybody who's here today? I didn't think so. If there's someone you don't know, do what I do. I just, you know, what's your name again? <laughs> or uh, I didn't catch your name. Uh, I didn't give it to you. Um, But we introduce ourselves. You know, don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed. Oh, I asked them their name last week. They'll understand. We meet a lot of people. It means attending a small group Bible study to meet new people. It means inviting someone out to lunch after worship, like your minister. No. It means getting together to pray for one another. Man, one of the most powerful experiences I've had recently was at my Tuesday night Bible study. Uh, we, uh, We spent 45 minutes in prayer. We just prayed the whole night. And we prayed and prayed and prayed. And everybody took a turn and we prayed uh, for, for like 45 minutes. And it was just awesome. It was just awesome to pray with one another. I was so encouraged. I was so uplifted. I had had a horrible, horrible day. And all I could think to do was to pray. And, and we got together and we prayed. And it was just, I mean, it was, it was, it was earth moving. It means going to each other's houses for barbecues. Summertime is coming. Invite someone over for a barbecue. There are a million ways to get to know someone, and it could start just by walking across the room. It could start this morning, just by walking across the room. You see somebody you don't know, you walk across the room, and you say, hey, I don't know you. What's your name? How you doing? My name is Sean. If you want to have true fellowship, you have to invest your life in someone else's. Someone put together a list of ways to tell if your church is unfriendly. When the sign out front says, for members only. When the parking lot has a sign that says, unauthorized vehicles will be towed at owner's expense. When the church lobby has a sign that says, no loitering. I have been in churches like that. When you say, praise the Lord, and the guy behind you says, we don't do that here. When the pastor's message is entitled, this is next week's by the way, The Theological Significance of the Eschatological Dimensions of the Sanctified Life and the Premillennial View of Predestination. When they pass the plate, twice. Finally, when at fellowship, coffee is a buck fifty and donuts are a dollar, limit one. You know, I quoted George Barna earlier, and I really believe that it is true. People aren't 
looking for a friendly church. They are looking for a friend. They want more than just a hey and a handshake. They want a friend. People want a relationship. They want to develop that relationship with somebody. They want your friendship. It's got to be more than just, hey, how you doing? It's got to be more, and you know, and because we're so flippant about it, aren't we? On a Sunday morning, you get up, you, you go, hey, hey, Bob, how you doing? Good, how you doing? Good. And I'm on my merry way. I have no idea. He could have said, I'm doing terrible. Oh, that's great. You know, I, but he's not going to tell me he's doing terrible because it's, 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 it's so superficial. Not that Bob and I have a superficial relationship, but, but, it, but that's how most of our relationships are. They're very, very superficial. It's, hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? Good. And that's it. We don't take the time to say, you know, I am really going through it, my man. Life is hard. I got this going on. My mom's sick. My mom is sick this morning. Please pray for her. Um, you know, my mom's sick. Uh, uh, my neighbor's going through a really tough time. I, I might lose my job. No, not me, but, you know, somebody else might say that. Well, I mean, I might, but... <laughs> But I mean, if someone tell, I mean, we've got to, we've got to go deeper than just, hey, how you doing? Fine. How are you? Fine. Goodbye. There's got to be more to it than that. People are looking for a church that can be their family. They're looking for a place where everybody knows your name, where they can be accepted for who they are, a sinner saved by grace. Through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We offer an invitation here every Sunday. And that invitation may be for you today. It's not just for those who want to make a decision for Christ and obey him in baptism. Because he died for their sins. It's also for those who have already been immersed and who want to join this family of believers. And that's what it is. We are a family of believers. Maybe you've been worshiping here with us for a while. And you've decided that you want to identify yourself with this fellowship, with this family. Well, the time to do that is now. If you've been around here for a little bit, for uh, several weeks, maybe a couple of months, and you want to join our family of believers, we invite you to come forward and do that. Uh, we, want, we want to know who you are. We want everyone here to know who you are. We ask that you'd come forward and join this, this body of believers, this, this family of fellowship. Uh, we, that's what we want to do is we want to be a family. We are seeking and striving to be the body of Christ and the family of God. But before we do that, I told you, that there was a practical way that you were going to put this sermon into practice today. I told you that you were going to have to <gasps> talk to somebody. Two minutes is all I'm asking for. Take two minutes at this time. In your bulletin, if I have one, and I do, in your bulletin is a, is a sheet. And you may have never known this before, but there's a sheet with prayer requests on it. And on the other side is a handy-dandy sermon notes page. And you can actually take notes during the sermon that's okay I'll, I'll look down you know if i look out and i see your head down i'm going to assume one of two things either you're taking good notes or the sermon's not very interesting because you've fallen asleep um but on your sermon notes page if you would be so kind as to talk to someone here in the next two minutes and say my name is blank fill in your name my name is sean is there something uh what is your name how can I pray for you? Get a prayer request from someone this morning in the next two minutes. Maybe take three if you have to. Get a prayer request from somebody 
preferably someone you're not related to. Because <laughs> that's easy. We're trying to make this hard. Um, take two minutes. Pray with somebody. Or not pray with somebody. Get a prayer request from somebody. And then pray for that person this week. And then next week, ask them how it's going. How is that thing you prayed? Now, you don't have to, you know, if you, if you don't want to, you don't have to bury your soul. Uh, but if you've got a prayer request that you want to share with somebody, I ask you to do that now. Take two minutes real quick. Talk to somebody. You can get up and move around if you want. Grab a pencil out of the pew. Grab a pen, something, and just get a prayer request from somebody. Uh, you know, and, uh, and find out how you can pray for them.